0: Well, it's great again to, to see everyone here this morning. Uh, this is the final Sunday of our Advent season, um, the time when we look forward to and anticipate the celebration of the coming of Jesus from heaven to earth, the light from heaven to earth. This is not just a celebration of a special baby or a special birth under, cer- under special circumstances. It is much more than that. And at Christmas, we celebrate the coming of, of our Messiah, of our Savior. And that begs the question then, who is this Savior? Who is this Jesus, this babe in the manger? Each week over the last several weeks, we've focused on one of the seven I Am passages in John's Gospel where Jesus reveals His identity to the people. We've explored His revelation of being the bread of life, the sustainer of all who would come to Him. The good shepherd and the door of the sheep, the one who calls and cares for his people. The resurrection and the life, the author and giver of life who has authority over death. The true vine, the one who transforms the life of his people who are connected to him. And that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Meaning there is not any other way to be with God than through the person and work of Christ on our behalf. By grace we are saved through faith in, or belief, which means commitment, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, in the one who lived the life that we couldn't live, who died the death we deserved for our sin, and rose again to secure victory over death on our behalf, that all who believe in him would inherit eternal life with him. And that's what you've seen played out before you this morning. That's what we celebrate this holiday season. That is the identity of the babe in the manger. But we aren't quite done, we have one left, so everyone please turn with me to John chapter 8, to John chapter 8. As you're turning there, let's let's begin by just stopping and and going to the Lord in prayer this morning. Again, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the time that we have to open your word, we thank you for your word, for your revelation to us, for the things that we've learned and been able to study over the last couple weeks and the, the excitement and the Patient of this season as it builds towards the day when we, that we have set aside once a year to remember the fact that you left heaven and that you came to earth in the form of a baby, that you humbled yourself so that you could do what we couldn't do and provide reconciliation to God. Lord, I pray that these words this morning would be your words and not mine, and it's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. All right, every week, if you'll remember, we have taken great care to put each one of these I am statements in its proper context to ensure that we are applying it correctly. Every week, we've had a context section where we set the scene. In fact, that's been a a section in your notes, setting the scene pretty much every week since Thanksgiving. And so this week, our task is the same. That's what we're going to do again. But the situation is going to be slightly different. If anybody's read ahead, then you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you look in your Bibles, you'll probably notice something strange about the first part of chapter 8. In fact, if you're using a Bible, the Pew Bibles have brackets around chapter 7, verse 53, through chapter 8, verse 11. And most of your Bibles will at least have a footnote explaining that this passage almost certainly does not belong here. As it was not part of the original manuscript, at least not in this place. Now, we don't have time to go into all the details of how this could happen or what this means, but just know that it does not take away from the inerrancy of Scripture, it does not cast doubt on the truth of Scripture, nor does it imply that this particular passage has no value. Time does not permit today, but I would encourage you to come to Sunday School next Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm going to address this issue and walk you through it so you can understand it and allow you a chance to to ask questions. So if you're wondering, why does chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, why, why is that not in the original manuscript? Why is it in my Bible today? Why does it have brackets around it? Come to Sunday School next week, and that's what we're going to talk about. But what that means for us, is that our immediate context to this particular I Am statement is actually all the way back in John chapter 7. All, right? all the way back in John chapter 7. The scene here is the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus is teaching in the temple. And He's generated quite a controversy, as we've seen Jesus has a tendency to do. So look with me in, in John chapter 7, verse 40. John chapter 7, verse 40. Starting in verse 40. He says, when they heard these words, some of the people said, this this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? And the officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Now Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So, what we see here is there's even a division among the Pharisees. We've seen week after week after week how it is God who opens eyes. And we see that here again today. All of these men, all of these Pharisees were present, but only some saw the truth of who this Jesus was and what it was he was saying. Now, one of the major components, again, we've got to put ourselves in this frame of mind in this time period, one of the major components of this particular feast was a time when these giant lamps in the temple would be lit, and men would take torches, and they would dance and sing, and it was a time of great celebration, this Feast of Tabernacles, and it was done to commemorate the Lord, leading them through the desert as a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. So to commemorate the Lord leading them by fire through the desert, they lit these huge fires, these huge torches, these big candles in the temple and had a big celebration. And it's into this context, this setting, that Jesus speaks these words in chapter 8, verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. This was no accidental timing here. The large candles were lit. Torches were lit. There was a celebration and singing and feasting, all in remembrance of how the Lord had visibly been present with them in the wilderness. And Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Here in this statement, He makes, it's a twofold statement, He makes both a claim and a promise. And the claim He's making here is divinity. Do you, do you see what he's saying here? Right, he was claiming divinity to be the Son of God, the Messiah, the very presence of God himself in the flesh. Just like God had led them visibly by a light in the wilderness, Jesus stands up and says, I am the light. Just like God had spoken through a light to Moses through the burning bush, Jesus said, I am the light. And that phrasing, I am, that we've seen week after week after week is not incidental either. Just like God comes to Moses in the burning bush and says, I am has sent you. I am the light. He fleshes this out as the the chapter goes on, and eventually at the end of the conversation, some of the religious leaders actually try to kill him for this claim, but they failed because his time had not yet come. The point is, they understood exactly what he was claiming. Everyone in the room understood the claim. They understood when Jesus said, I am the light, all right, it wasn't just some metaphor. They knew exactly what he was saying to be, what he was setting himself up as. And their response, the response of the people to that claim is critical. Here again in this week's passage, we see the essential role that belief through faith granted by God plays in our identity before God. Each week, another recurring theme has been this idea that all people fall into one of two categories, those who believe in him and those who do not. At the end of the day, it all boils down to that. There are those who believe and those who do not. It's black and white. There's no in between. When time is up and our time comes to stand before God, that is the only distinction that will matter. The people will be divided for all eternity. Those who reject Jesus will bear the punishment of their sin under God's wrath in hell for all eternity. While those who believe in Him and come to faith in Him will be ushered into eternity with God's grace and mercy, having their sin debt forgiven because it has been paid by the blood of Jesus on their behalf. That's the only division that matters. Society segregates people in a variety of ways. People segregate themselves according to... Various criteria, numerous criteria, and into numerous different groups. But at the end of the day, there's only one distinction that matters. There were really only two groups of people. Those who believe and those who do not. And it all comes back to how we respond to this claim of His. Look in this particular, just stay in John chapter 8 with me. Look down to verse 30. He says, as He was saying these things, many believed in Him. Many heard this and believed, but skip down just a few verses. In verses 58 and 59, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So two responses, same crowd. Some believed and some tried to kill him. Some believed and some rejected. Some embraced and some pushed away. Both saw and heard Jesus. Both responded to the same claim, but they responded completely differently. Each week in this season, we've seen that Jesus hasn't changed. Neither has his claim of being the Son of God. We've seen this every week in each one of these I am statements. Anytime Jesus stands up and says, I am, all right, that's, where he, that's what he's claiming. The claim is the same, that he is the Son of God, the promised one. And his call for us to surrender our lives in, in belief and come to him in belief hasn't changed either. This claim, this call to believe, however, doesn't stand alone. It comes with the promise, and that promise is salvation. Those two things are tied together, the call and the promise, the claim and the promise. Look at what he says. What is the promise? He says, the one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The promise is rescue from not just physical, but spiritual darkness. Literally, the promise is the offer of rescue from the sinful, natural state of our hearts. It's the same promise that we've seen week after week after week. Jesus says, I am the bread of life in John 6.35. Look at what he says. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Claim, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's your promise. Same claim, same promise, different metaphor, different analogy. We saw it again the next week in John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, there's the claim. I am the door. I am the door to the sheepfold. Where's the promise? If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Look at chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Claim, promise. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Claim, whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Promise. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to them, To him, I am the way and the truth and the life. Claim. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father except through me. Promise. John chapter 15 verse 5, last week's passage. I am the vine, you are the branches. Claim. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Same claim, same promise. Different analogy, different metaphor changed life, forgiveness, fellowship with God, ultimately leading to eternal salvation, that's the promise to those who commit their lives to following Jesus, to following Him in obedience. And we see again in this promise that God doesn't change. The context changes. The the crowd may change. The audience might change a little bit. The location changes. The analogy, the metaphor changes. But Jesus doesn't change. The claim and the promise are the same all the way through. We see again in this promise that God doesn't change. His promises are trustworthy and He never wavers in them. Now we can also infer that if those who follow Him will not walk in darkness, then the opposite must also be true. Those who do not follow Him do walk in darkness. Apart from him, all of us by nature walk in darkness. That's how we are born. That's the sinful state of our hearts from birth. Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, being Jesus, the suffering servant, the iniquity of us all. Not some have gone astray. Not we we all were on the right path. And some left, he says, all have gone astray, all have turned, every single one. All of us have gone astray. We were born in darkness and we will remain in darkness unless God in us, unless God works in us to open our eyes to see the light. Again, we see this, this same dichotomy just like every week. Either you walk in light or you walk in darkness. Either you bear fruit because you're connected to the vine, or you are not, and you do not. Either you are part of Jesus' flock, or you are not. Either you come to God through Jesus, or you do not come to Him at all. Either you believe and have faith, or you do not. There's, There's no middle ground. There are no inactive believers. There's no gray area. We can never be good enough to earn favor or status before God. Either you are in Christ, or you are not. Either you are saved by His grace through faith, or you stand condemned for your sin. Because God's promises are sure those who follow Him can face this life, can face today, can face tomorrow with hope and joy, fearing neither death nor circumstance, because our inheritance is guaranteed. Our inheritance is guaranteed. As as Michelle comes, and we're we're going to... Tie all this together as we get ready to close. Uh, every week we have come with and we, we've wrapped up with an Advent application. All right? This is who Jesus is. Jesus is the light of the world. Okay, So what does that mean for us at Christmas? What is our Advent application? We all, by nature, were born in darkness. And this world is actively, currently, right now, walking in darkness. In fact, the world loves Darkness our Advent application is that men and women need to see the light. Men and women need to see the light just as much today as then. Recognizing who the babe in the manger is brings great joy and hope. Face the day for all who trust in Him. And follow Him in obedience because we are assured of the salvation He has secured on our behalf awaiting us. And for those who have never trusted in Him, those who are still walking in disobedience, still walking in darkness, the babe in the manger is the offer of salvation and forgiveness if you would come to Him. He came that first Christmas night as a human baby, but that was just the start. He lived the perfect life we could never live. Died the death our sin deserved. Rose again three days later in victory over death. Ascended into heaven where He resides today, having secured the way of salvation for anyone who would believe. Christmas is a time of joy and hope for the believer, but also a reminder that this same hope and joy is offered to anyone who would believe. At the end of the day, Jesus is... Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. That's why our worship this season should drive us anew to, as we sang already, go tell it on the mountain. As the kids led us in singing, go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, what? That Jesus Christ is born. Not that Jesus Christ was born, but that Jesus Christ is born, that He is there, that offer of salvation is there, available today, right now. And if we are in Christ, then His light shines through us. God has chosen to use us as vessels vessels to proclaim His message of salvation to a lost and dying world. If we are in Christ and His light is in us for all the world to see. There is fruit on every branch that's attached in drawing life from the vine. This is how Jesus can say in His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As Christ followers, we are his ambassadors to a world walking in darkness. And the events of his birth are just part of the story. The message and meaning of Christmas is summarized, is best summarized. In John 3.16, a verse that most of you are familiar with. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that first Christmas, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's what Christmas is all about. Let's pray, and then the praise team will lead us in one final song as, as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for today. We thank You for... We thank You for... The light that you, that you are, Lord, that you are the light of the world. We thank you for the fact that we can, that we can see you, that, that you've opened so many of our eyes. Lord, help us not to help us to, to remember, Lord, that just as you are the light of the world, if we are in you, then 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 our light is to shine before others. Lord, help us get, help us to, to take serious our role to be a witness to a lost and, and dying world. To be, a, a, to be the light in the darkness. Or not because of anything that we do or, or because of who we are, but because of who you are shining through us. Lord, help us to surrender to you so that our lives may shine your light to the people around us. Lord, we thank you so much for, for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. All that that, that first Christmas means that you left heaven and came to earth for us in obedience to your Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that that our lights would not grow dim because we focus on ourselves this time of year, but Lord, that we would shine brightly to all those around us, that we would use this time of year as a springboard to, to start discussions, to... to to, to visibly look and act and be different than the rest of the world. Lord, help us, give us opportunities to be a light in the darkness. Give us opportunities this holiday season to shine your light to those around us. Lord, help us make that, to be intentional about that. And Lord, I thank you again for yet another year to be able to celebrate your birth, to be able to celebrate the salvation that you secured and what it meant when you, that, that, that first night when you came to earth. Lord, we love you we praise you. And Lord, I pray that we would praise you all week long leading up to Christmas, that everything we do this week will be to bring honor and glory to your name in remembrance of what you've done for us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.